Welcome to this podcast recording from the 2022 Pod Partnership Opportunities in Drug Delivery Conference. The Pod Conference is produced by the Conference Forum. For more information, please visit podconference.com. Enjoy the podcast recording from Pod 2022. So, thanks for the kind introduction and the warm welcome. I'm I'm thrilled to be here, and in lieu of Barbara Luckel's annual. Um, overview of the drug delivery landscape, I have the, the honor of filling in for Roche and Genentech. And so as my role as global search and evaluation lead, I get to see the exciting innovation and progress across the modalities. And no more so am I excited than in the delivery industry where we've seen incredible innovation in the last couple of years. But first I'd like to take a moment and thank the organizers of POD for creating for the 12th time such an inspiring setting that allows us to uh, nurture our passion of drug delivery and create a safe space for those of us who, uh, who get this excited about drug delivery to really have those partnership opportunities and unlock future treatments uh, for medicine. So, Today, what I want to cover is the drug delivery trends, especially the highlights from the last pod in terms of approvals, the, where the macroeconomic situation is, and some delivery considerations, especially with a gene therapy and oligonucleotide-based medicine approach, and then kind of ground ourselves in the challenges, but also on the inspiration of the innovation that's ongoing and the opportunity that we have in the drug delivery industry. So firstly, I think since the last pod, we can all agree that the macroeconomic situation has been pretty uncertain and no more so than in the biotech industry where we've seen uh, quite a heavy outflow of capital investment. However, here what we see plotted in the charts is investment over time and exits over time by deal count. And this is specifically for the drug delivery industry. And we see that for 2022, Although um, it is significantly down from the previous record years, we still think this will be on par with a, a pre-pandemic year, which signals to the importance and the acute need of, of drug delivery currently. However, we really see the biotech downturn in the biggest, uh, the biggest effect we actually see is the exits uh, over time. And here, 2022, we're gonna see a significant decrease but most striking is that IPO or the public markets are now no longer a viable or popular exit strategy. So therefore, we believe that the acute delivery need that we have with the new modalities coming on top of the already existing modality delivery needs, plus the public markets no longer being that accessible, partnering is more important than ever to uh, diversify portfolios, to uh, accelerate programs and also move into new indications. And so we're definitely in the right place at the right time. And so with a little bit of pod magic, we can hopefully have those conversations to, um, to unlock the future medicines. But before we do that, I wanna pause and um, celebrate the achievements of some approvals that we've had since the last pod. And I've uh, picked a handful which, for me, signal the innovations that put patient experience first and that these are really important to support better access to care, outcomes, and also to spur further innovation. So 
So firstly, Al Nilem with Amvutra. This is the siRNA Galnac conjugate that delivers to uh, hepatocytes for the treatment of HATTR. And here the innovation is uh, moving to a conjugate from their previously or still marketed product uh, for HATTR, which is on Patro, which we all know as the first approved siRNA therapy in an LNP. And now the administration is subcutaneous injection once quarterly versus IV, which was once every three weeks for 80 minutes. This is an exciting indication space as we see additional partnerships and um, new modalities coming online with the AstraZeneca Ionis partnership and also the Regeneron Intellia one that I'll briefly touch on. And then moving to the sub-Q uh, diabetes management field, but specifically for GLP-1 agonists, Lily got the approval of Mount Jaro, which is a first-in-class as it's a dual-action drug targeting both GLP-1 and the GIP receptors. And this is coming hot off the heels of Novo's um, Ozempic and then last year's very successful launch of Wegovi. And here they um, have a 39 amino acid with a fatty, acid, uh, a fatty dye acid for reversible albumin binding, which allows a once weekly dosing. And then moving to a new modality um, approach, Bluebird Bio with Zinteglo. And this is the first ex vivo lentiviral vector gene therapy approved in the US for treatment of people with beta thalassemia. And this offers an alternative to the severe anemia dependence and which is, uh, requires red blood cell transfusions, a uh, lengthy process for every two to five weeks. However, this is now the second most uh, expensive drug on the market, which was just recently topped by the other approval of Skysona, and opens up the conversation of uh, gene therapy price points for the, for the payers and the patients, which will be ex an exciting discussion. And then definitely worth mentioning uh, Paxlovid. It seems like a long time ago but uh, it was approved as the first oral COVID antiviral pill um, towards the end of last year. Tyvazo DPI by United Therapeutics Corporation. And this is the move to both a new formulation and a new device for uh, treating pulmonary arterial hypertension. And Lastly, Ovelity by Axome, and this is both the first new oral NMDA mechanism of action for major depressive disorder, and also the first um, oral uh, major depressive disorder uh, marketed in, the last, in over the last 60 years. So this is very impressive, uh, and it comes in the form of an extended release tablet. So these are just a few selected of ones that really showcase putting patient experience first is very important for innovation in the delivery industry. However, let's also have a look at some of the upcoming data and trial readouts. And here I've picked some that uh, for me signal diverse modalities and delivery first. So staying with the field of uh, sub-Q insulin manage, uh, diabetes management, Novo Nordisk with their once-weekly insulin, ICODEC, where they hit all of their fa uh, phase three primary endpoints. And this is the first insulin analog for type two diabetes that can cover the basal insulin requirements for a week with a single subcutaneous injection, reducing the injection burden, hypothetically, from 365 to 52. And here, the engineering is particularly impressive in terms of the um, 
the fatty acid for reversible albumin binding and the amino acid stabilization that creates a buffer and a depot for once weekly injections. Then moving on to avidity, this is a combination of modalities, both antibodies and oligos conjugated together and where the first patient was dosed in the end of last year. And their lead uh, candidate for DM1 is currently in phase one and two, and the antibody targets the transferrin receptor, whereas the um, oligo is targeting uh, DMPK. However, here this signals the importance of um, continuous discussion with the FDA and safety, as there's recently been, uh, a hold been put on, as the other two programs are still progressing. And then Intellia and Regeneron, some exciting phase one ad interim data showing a mean reduction in serum levels of TTER. And this is the first CRISPR therapy candidate to be administered systemically to edit genes inside the body using an LNP. And they delivered this using their proprietary LNP system in both the guide RNA and a Cas9 mRNA to the liver. So this is exciting to see where these will go. So an additional highlights, Otsuka and Lundbeck, with a uh, long-acting injectable for bi-monthly for schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. And Glaucos continuing in a very innovative space, which is the ophthalmic device space, and they have a biocompatible titanium implant for non-patient adherence. And then moving outside of the biotech field and delivery readouts, but an incredible achievement of the Nobel Prize winners of Caroline Bertozzi, Morton Meldel, and Carl Barry Sharpless for their work in bioorthogonal and click chemistry. And especially I want to highlight Caroline's contribution with eight biotechs founded and um, working across the field into large molecule degradation and also in situ um, tumor delivery using the click chemistry approach. So just this breadth and diversity highlights the excitement and um, innovation that's going on in the deliver delivery field and the first that will continue to come in the future. But now I want to zoom out a little bit and look at the twin complexity of drug delivery and how we see it, uh, especially for oligonucleotide and genomic medicine-based uh, therapeutics. And so we need to match the target tissue, payload, and delivery technology for a viable drugging approach. So what does that mean? So let's dive a little deeper. So the tissue really is the issue. And what we mean by this is uh, that a lot of these oligonucleotide-based medicines and genomic um, payloads are very sensitive to degradation, and they need to get to the right tissue, to the right cell type, and even to the right cell, subcellular compartment to be effective and to work as a therapeutic. And therefore, breaking through these biological barriers in, with systemic and local treatment, and some of these will be covered in later pod sessions, is more important than ever. And then moving to the payloads, I think here we have seen an incredible explosion of therapeutic machinery um, approaches. And what I mean here is by uh, circular RNA, linear RNA, RNA editing, base editors, prime editing, novel nucleases, the list goes on and on. Um, and each of these has their pros and cons for specific indications in specific tissues which need to be matched up. And tying this all together is the delivery technology, which is crucial to have this early in the design phase of these uh, new medicines. And I'll dive in a little bit deeper into what delivery technologies uh, are currently most popular. 
And then this, combining this does not yet make an effective therapeutic. And here we see step two where we need to align it with the disease biology, the clinical need, and the technology to reach patients. And here we see that experience in um, bringing and translating these benefits to patients is uh, incredibly important, and also experience in scaling and manufacturing and, and characterization. And so what runs through this, especially for genomic medicine, is the theme of safety as we're approaching these new modalities and um, um, trying to target rare diseases. And we've seen that uh, safety needs to be addressed at every stage of the research project. And especially in, um, in recent tragic readouts, we've seen that safety continues to be a concern, especially with AAV therapies. However, with also challenges comes the chance to innovate. And we've also seen a collaboration of Pfizer, Sarepta, um, I think Solid, coming together, and Genathon, coming together for their DMD AAV asset to do a pooled safety analysis and present this to the FDA. So all this to say, that the individual components are important and specialization is important in them, but it's really how they interact and come together um, that make an th effective therapeutic in the uh, genomic delivery space. And so looking at the gene therapy vectors, but first I want to set the context, especially with the, the amount of payloads and companies we're seeing. And that is in the last 10 years we've seen uh, an, an impressive increase in life science investment from VCs and private equity of 18%. But for gene therapy, that investment was 60% increase. And this has spurned this company creation and spurned this innovation into new payloads. And all of these come with an acute delivery need. And we've also seen innovation in uh, the delivery vectors. But this need will continue to grow and we expect uh, continued diversity of approaches necessary to address them. And so briefly, viral vectors. These are the, by far the most popular of vectors. Um, they are eight FDA-approved products and over 120 clinical trials in phase uh, two or later. And we've seen big leaps in manufacturing improvements and the potential for tissue tropism. However, I say potential as we also see that 11 out of, I think, 94 clinical trials are are not focused on CNS, eye, intramuscle, or liver, meaning that some tissues are still currently not being addressed by this therapy. And then additionally, highlighting the safety concern in terms of um, at least 30% of clinical trials with AAVs, the most popular choice, see a serious adverse event. And then also a recent study showed that uh, one-third of individuals had pre-existing neutralizing antibodies for AAV8. And lastly, the cargo capacity restraint of 4.2 KB means that for a single AAV treatment and specific gene therapies, multiple uh, human genes are not viable to be uh, approached by this treatment. And so let's move over to non-viral. And on the paper, we can see that actually it looks like this covers a lot of the shortcomings of viral delivery. It can encapsulate many cargo types and sizes. However, there are still questions around the tissue and cell-specific targeting limitations when we go outside of local delivery and outside of the liver and spleen. 
And what we mean here is that by tissue distribution, we need to significantly skew the biodistribution to the specific tissue to have a high enough dose to have uh, an efficacious treatment. And so briefly, extracellular vesicles, by far the most complex, as they um, contain, they bud from cells and have uh, contain many lipids and different cell surface proteins. However, there's been a huge amount of uh, work and investment into characterize them and to be able to load them correctly and to investigate um, potential CMC challenges and tropism. We've also seen partnerships in this uh, field such as Evox and Lilly and Kodiak and Jazz. And then LNPs, I think everyone is very well familiar with LNPs thanks to the incredible success that it's had over the last two years, showing that not only are they good enough to be manufactured and distributed um, for a vaccine approach, but they can do this on a global scale, um, hitherto un unknown. And this has reinvigorated this field and also provides us with a lot of confidence in particular-based therapies going forward. So there are over 35 companies active in this field, and we see that uh, a large number of the pipelines are still uh, heavily skewed towards vaccine approaches. But we do see new rational design approaches uh, being taken up for outside uh, of the liver. And then PNPs. So these are polymeric nanoparticles. They are clinically validated. We've seen uh, multiple uh, small molecule uh, polymeric nanoparticles uh, make it to the clinic. And here there's been a, a big explosion in the possibility for building block diversity and investigating this in a rational design approach. And um, also picking and choosing the components and characteristics of the other particle-based therapies that can help um, guide safety and biodistribution profile. So in pharma, we like to bucket things. So these are the buckets uh, we have. However, really the innovation is happening all across the field and this is really a gray area where we're seeing uh, hybrid approaches emerge all the time. And this is exactly what we need, the diversity of approaches and um, also with the number of payloads we have in the different indication space we want to unlock in the future, there will not be a one-size-fits-all, but rather it's diving deep and finding the exact uh, combination that will unlock a therapy. So how does this look and what does that result in, in terms of the partnership landscape? So I've just taken a snapshot of a much larger landscape in terms of uh, viral and non-viral approaches, and we can see that since the last pod, we've had an explosion of partnerships, especially in the non-viral space. And the reason we believe for this is because partnerships are gaining access to a critical component of uh, gene therapy programs. And it's very rare for individual companies to have the um, specialized delivery, the indication expertise and clinical expertise, and also the payload expertise. And therefore, partnering is vital in this therapeutic space in particular, and we expect this to keep growing. Maybe one to highlight for us and a local company here is the Roche Dino, where bringing scientists to the table early really helped to form and uh, guide this partnership in terms of investigating tissue tropism by rationally designing capsids. And we're seeing 
the important role that pharma have to play, but also that biotechs are partnering with other biotechs to get access to this, and also biotechs are even acquiring other biotechs, such as Beam's acquisition of Guide, to get access to the barcoded LNP technology. So very exciting space, especially for us in partnering, and we expect this to keep growing, and it'll be interesting to see how this landscape looks for the next pod. Brilliant, so where does this leave us? Well, as new therapeutic modalities unlock new targets, there is increasing need for delivery solutions. And so if we use the past to inform us of the future, we can see that biologics in the early 2000s and 2010 had 34% of the market share of the top 100 products. By uh, 2021, this has now increased to over 50%. And this is as we eke out these uh, manufacturing complexities and innovations in terms of new submodalities within that space. And we expect the same to happen for, for gene therapy approaches. But delivery really is the key in terms of unlocking the body for these genes, uh, to unlock the full potential of gene therapy. And so to do that, we can uh, use advances outside of this space in terms of machine learning, high throughput screening, organoids, combinatorial chemistry, to rationally explore delivery design space, matching and mixing approaches to have rational design delivery. And the diversity of delivery approaches is necessary to meet the needs of these broader therapeutic options. And so we at Roche are very proud of our family ownership because this gives us a long-term view in partnering and making uh, novel medicines for unmet medical need. And so this quote really resonates with us, but this also, for me, resonates with the delivery industry is where we are, specifically for gene therapy. And that is in the realm of ideas, everything depends on enthusiasm. And in the, in the real world, all rests on perseverance. So I'll leave it at that, but I'd just like to thank everyone, um, and especially the pod organizers, and also I'm looking forward to the next two days to recreating that pod magic and starting to have these conversations. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast recording from the pod, Partnership Opportunities in Drug Delivery 2022 Conference. For more information, please visit podconference.com.